All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And uh, I'm mindful that today is Palm Sunday when uh, the city of Jerusalem was crying out Hosanna, welcoming Jesus into the city of Jerusalem, fully believing that uh, he was going to rescue them from the oppression, the oppressors of the Roman government. But that didn't last long, did it? Because by Friday, they were screaming, crucify him. Because Jesus had let them down. They realized that Jesus wasn't going to be the political deliverer that they anticipated, that they believed he would be. No, Jesus came not to rescue society. Jesus came to rescue people from their sin. Church, that is our biggest need. We need a Savior. We have a sin problem. And there is only one person who can correct what separates us from God, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to to die for individuals' sin. And if our society is going to be transformed, it begins through the transformation of an individual's heart. That is the answer to the problems that we are facing today. It's not political. It's spiritual. We need Jesus. And so... Um, we're in John chapter 16, and uh, John chapter 16 is uh, the, the Thursday night before Jesus' crucifixion. We've been in Thursday night since John chapter 13, and uh, this is uh, Jesus' uh, final discourse with his disciples, and uh, he's left that upper room and he's traveling to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. He's going through the Kidron Valley, and he's having a difficult conversation uh, with his disciples. We have seen uh, over and over that Jesus says that the world hates me. And if the world hates me, guys, they are going to hate you. You can expect it. And so in chapter 16, Jesus has talked about persecution and uh, preparing the disciples' heart for the inevitable. Jesus has also talked about provision. Even though that they're going to go through persecution, they're not going to be left alone. Jesus is going to send them the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth, who will be identical, the Bible says, to the person of Jesus Christ. Up to this point, uh, the Holy Spirit has been with the disciples, Jesus, but when Jesus leaves, when he goes to be with with the Father, the Holy Spirit is no longer going to be with the disciples, the Holy Spirit is going to be in the disciples. And that same promise, that same truth is for you and I today. When we 
receive the Lord Jesus Christ, when we believe who Jesus is and we surrender our lives to him, we, are, um, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he is going to be with that individual permanently, forever, Jesus says in John chapter 14. So last week as we concluded the message, we looked at the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit. The primary ministry is uh, found in verse 7 of chapter 16. The Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of sin. He's going to convict the world of righteousness. And he's going to convict the world of judgment. And how is he going to do that? Through us. Jesus says, I am sending you the Holy Spirit who is going to be in you. And so for the Spirit to do the convicting of sin, righteousness, of, and judgment, guess what? We have a responsibility to speak the truth. It's the Holy Spirit is going, who's going to do the convicting. It's us who need to be telling to, telling the truth, to be witnesses, to testifying to who Jesus is. And as we are obedient, the Holy Spirit will do the convicting. So we have a responsibility to open our mouths and to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Jesus spoke the truth in love. Jesus was full of grace and truth. So when speaking the truth, we don't have to be obnoxious. We don't have to be abrasive. We just have to be matter-of-factly and loving and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in people's lives even at risk of losing the relationship. I'm afraid that most Christians don't say anything because they fear risking the relationship. Jesus would say, that's not love. We need to love as Jesus loved. Jesus loved by telling us the truth suffering the consequences as a result. So, so far in verses 1 through 12, Jesus has, has said to his disciples and he's saying to us that we are going to be persecuted in the world's courts. Count on it. If they did it to me, guys, they are going to do it to you. But we are to be God's prosecutors. It's our turn to speak the truth. And over the millenniums, God has used his people to speak the truth. We see it in the prophets of the Old Testament. We see it in John the Baptist of the New Testament. We see it in the disciples' lives. And it's our responsibility today, church, to tell the truth. We are to be God's prosecutors. And so today, we're going to finish up this chapter. 
and uh, we're going to look at verses uh, 12 to 15 to begin with. So, hope you have your Bibles open. Let me read verses 12 through 15. Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will speak, not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So in this paragraph of Scripture, Jesus is introducing a new, a new thought. He is pre-authorizing the writing of the New Testament through the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Holy Spirit does many things. The Holy Spirit gives us new life it's through the Holy Spirit that we are, are born again. He helps us to bear spiritual fruit. He gives us a spiritual gift when we come to faith in Christ. He comforts us when we're, when we're, um, when we're, when we're discouraged, when we're down, ministers to us when we're going through difficulty. The Holy Spirit translates our groans, the Bible says. When we're going through difficulty and, and we don't have the words to convey to God in that moment, and all you can do is cry, grieve, the Bible says that God understands, the Holy Spirit understands those groans and interprets those groans to our Heavenly Father. That's the that's the spirit in our in our life, but the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is that He is the Spirit of Truth. Verse thirteen, He says, "When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth." This is the Spirit's responsibility. We've seen this in John chapter 14, verse 26. We've seen it in John chapter 15, verse 20, 26. He's going to teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that Jesus has said. Now, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And his disciples are going to be the writers of the New Testament. And so Jesus said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to inspire you to record all these things. This is, this is pre-authentication of the unwritten New Testament. This is what Jesus is, is talking about in this portion of Scripture. It's not just... The Old Testament, but the New Testament is yet to be written. And God is going to use the disciples through the inspiration of the, old, of the, of the Holy Spirit. 
and it's going to be all the truth. Not just some of the truth, but all the truth. From the virgin birth of Matthew chapter 1 to the eternal state of the book of Revelation, all of it is going to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is so important. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, that this is, the New Testament, is the testimony of God. He says this, and I, in 1 Corinthians 2, 1, it says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the test. I not... Did not I come proclaiming to you the testimony of God? I, let me read that again. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. It wasn't in my power, it wasn't in my ability, but was, it was in the Spirit of God. And, and Paul says this is the testimony of of God, And so this is the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit to the apostles in revealing truth through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. And so the New Testament, as we read it, uh, as we read in the Gospels, it is the, res- it is the record of all that Jesus has done in the first four books of the New Testament. And in the apostles and the letters, they tell us what his life and ministry meant. Okay? So the first four books talks about what Jesus has done. As the apostles write the letters of the New Testament, they talk about the meaning of Jesus' life and ministry how all things relate to Jesus Christ. And so that's what we see about the Holy Spirit in verses 12 through 15. Now, let's conclude this uh, well discourse with some words of hope. And I want to read verses 16 through 24 this morning. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, You will weep and lament but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. 
But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish or joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now. But I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Let's pause right there for a moment. Jesus is talking again about suffering. I'm going to leave you, and you're going to be sorrowful. Uh, It's going to be difficult. Uh, This suffering is going to be like a mother delivering a baby. Uh, It's going to be laborious. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be temporary. There will be tears, but eventually there will come great joy. He compares to childbirth. Now, I like what Jesus says in verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow. I think that's an understatement. (laughs) Yes, she has sorrow. And uh, because of her, her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. How many moms here don't remember the anguish <laughs> of delivering a child? <laughs> yeah, you probably remember that anguish. But in comparison to the child, it doesn't even comprehend. But Jesus is saying, you know, for... I'm going to leave you, and you are going to have sorrow. But just like childbirth, that sorrow is going to be temporary. And when the child comes, there's going to be great joy. And this joy is delivery. It's the child. It's the the birthing of the child and the overwhelming, the joy that comes not only into that mother's heart, but the father's heart and the family. That joy represents, church, eternal redemption. We've been set free. We've been made alive to God. This is what Jesus does through the resurrection of the Savior. We are, we are set free. We have eternal redemption. But going back to the suffering, you know, I understand the suffering in, in the delivery room. I was there. I was there for 36 hours of hard labor. I was exhausted after those 36 hours. Now, I'm being facetious here, but I tell you, it was, 
It was an incredible but exhausting experience. I saw things about my wife that I had never seen before. In the middle of that process, my wife told me to shut up, sit in the corner, and eat my Snickers bar. She was done with me. You know, I thought I was being a pretty good coach. But apparently she couldn't stand my Snickers breath. And she was done. And and those were long 36 hours, especially for her, okay? I, I make light of that sometimes. But uh, it was painful. But when it was all over, and we were holding Allison in our arms, there was nothing but pure joy of what God had provided. And that's what Jesus is speaking of here. Guys, you, you're going to... You're going to be sorrowful. These next three days are going to be tough on you. But after these three days, come resurrection morning, the sorrow is going to be gone, and you're going to be you're going to experience great joy, and the world can't take it from you. That is ours in Christ. That's what Christ has done for us. There is going to be joy through the delivery process, and it's going to mean our eternal redemption. We will be saved. Our sin will be forgiven. And in church, that's what Christ has done, and that's what Christ is going to do. When he returns, Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 8. Look at Romans chapter 8. I want to read verses 18 through 25 this morning. Paul talks about the delivery uh, process. Verse 18. This is where we're at now. Okay, we're in the in-between stage. Jesus has ascended, he's with the Father, and uh, one day he's going to return. Paul says this, For I consider that the sufferings of present time are not, worth, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits for e- with eager longing for the revealing of the Son of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to creation and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only in the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. The, re- the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. 
Now hope that is seen is not hope. For what for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The world, creation, you and I are pregnant with God's glory. We are going through the birthing process for our redemption when Christ returns. Right now, we are going through birth pains. And the older we get, guess what? The more intense those pains become, don't they? I have these conversations with you. I hear about your pains in this life, the older we get. I like what Pastor Payton said. Growing old isn't for sissies. Amen? But that's a reminder of the birth pains that you and I are experiencing. And Paul says, we groan. But one day, these bodies are going to be redeemed. They're going to be redeemed whether if we take, if, if Jesus tarries and we, we die before he returns or when Jesus returns, guess what? Church, we, we win. This is our hope. This is a hope we can't see, but this is a hope that we believe. And why can we have this such great hope? Because next Sunday, Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus is alive. If Jesus didn't come back to life, then we of all people are to be most pitied. We are fools. We are wasting our time being in this room this morning. But we know that we're not because Jesus conquered the grave. The resurrection, my friend, changes everything. And so we are people of great hope. day, we're going to see Jesus face to face. You know what we're going to say to ourselves? It was worth it all. Every mother says that. The pain of the delivery process, as difficult as that is, as they look at their newborn in the face for the very first time they say in their hearts it was worth it all these are Jesus' words to his disciples and these are Jesus' words to us today in this world you're going to have sorrow but you will see me again you'll have great joy and no one will be able to rob you of that joy let's look at uh, verses 25 through 33 
I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now we are speak now he now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus has been preparing the disciples from verse 16 to verse 28 a double leaving. Okay, he's going to leave them in in just a, a matter of hours uh, when he's come, when he's betrayed and hauled off to uh, the the religious leaders and the the kangaroo court and is crucified. He's leaving them, and he will be gone for these three days. But he will return. But then Jesus will be leaving again after. 40 day, for 40 days following the resurrection, Jesus will be with them, but then he's going to go and be with the Father. So he's talked about these two, these two different uh, leavings. But Jesus says, but when I leave, when I go to be the Father, in verse 26 and 27, it will be to your advantage. It's to our advantage. Because we will then have direct access to the Father. Look at verse 26 again. It says, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Yes, Jesus is our mediator. And when Jesus goes to be with the, Father, to, with the Father, he is at the Father's right hand. And Jesus is praying for us. But Jesus says, you know, I will not ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. What Jesus is saying here, friend, is you have direct access to the Father. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through a pastor. You have direct access to God to share with him 
all that's on your heart. And you can know as you pray. If you believe Jesus, who he is, who he says he is in the New Testament, if you believe him, the Bible says that you are loved by the Father. That's great news. My friend, he loves you. No matter what you're going through this morning, whatever sorrow you might have in your life, God the Father understands. And he is there to hear your prayer. You are a child of God. That is great news. John says this in John 1.12, but, but to all who did receive him, receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's no other religion in the world who promised this. There's only one God. And when we believe in God's Son, we get God the Holy Spirit and we get God the Father. My friend, you are loved by God. Jesus also says when he leaves, not only do we have direct access to the Father, but again, we will have tribulation. You heard Allison as she opened up the service and and worship today and all the things that are going on in in people's lives and around the world today. There's a lot of issues. You know, when I began this service this morning, I sense the heaviness of, of of this room. There are a lot of people going through stuff right now. And Jesus says, when I leave you, you will have tribulation. And we have tribulation today. And as long as you look to the world, Jesus says, you're going to continue to have tribulation. Look at verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. So my question to us this morning, to you this morning, are you looking to Jesus or are you looking at the storm, the waves, the issues in this world? As long as you're focused on this world, there will be tribulation in your heart and you will not have peace. But Jesus says, in me, you will have peace. I like what Corey Tinboon said one time. She said, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. But if you look at Christ... You will be at rest.
We need church, church. We need to come together and be reminded of the promises of God. That it's in, only in Christ when we give Christ the Sabbath. Christ becomes our Sabbath rest. And the hope that we have for all eternity that Jesus is going to be our eternal Sabbath rest. This is the hope that we have in Christ. So as we close this morning, I just want to remind you that no matter what your circumstances, no matter what you're facing in Christ, nobody can rob you of your joy in Christ. That doesn't mean we won't have tears, that we won't have sorrow, but there, in the midst of that sorrow, there will be deep abiding joy. And nobody can take that from you. Second, no matter what you're going through, the Father loves you. If you believe the Son, if you're in relationship with the Son, the Father loves you. You have direct access to Him. Number three, if you're in Christ, we're going to get to see him for the very first time. Yeah. We'll have to go through a difficult delivery process if Jesus tarries. But when it's all said and done, we're going to see him face to face. Fourth, just when we think we've got this world figured out, we have Jesus figured out, guess what? The world throws us a curveball. <laughs> the disciples said, ah, now he speaks plainly. Now we understand what he's saying. Jesus says, listen, before this night is done, you will all abandon Even when life throws us a curveball, and we fail him, we have a lack of faith, Jesus is not going to give up on us. He continues to pursue us just as he continued to pursue the disciples. He knows. He knows you. He knew the disciples. Worse than all. But Jesus loved them. He loves you and I relentlessly. And finally, Jesus wants to leave you his peace. And his peace is through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus' peace. Holy Spirit was in Christ 
when we come to a relationship with Christ, he gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us his peace. Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. What a great way to end this farewell discourse. Next week, we'll begin looking at Jesus' prayer. Two weeks, looking at Jesus' prayer in the garden. The church, be of good courage. No matter what we face, whatever we face, in the end, it will be worth it all. Now, this is audience participation for mothers, okay? The question is, Mom, were those babies worth it? Mom, were those babies worth it? Is, uh, is, is Jennifer Johnson in the dining hall? Maybe She may be online this morning. I don't know. Jennifer Johnson, were those twins worth it? <laughs> Kelly Surratt. Were those quads worth it? Absolutely. And far more will be for all of us, for all eternity. Whatever we go through, friends, it's just temporary. Compared to all eternity, oh, there's great joy. There's great joy, hope. And the world can't take us, take it from us. And how can we be so hopeful? Because of next Sunday. The resurrection changes everything. Be encouraged, my friends. As you leave here this morning, God is on his throne. Jesus is in charge. He's sovereign. He reigns. And we can trust him. Amen. And if you're here this morning, if you don't have that kind of hope, don't leave without that hope this morning. We get that hope by believing in who Jesus says that he is. He says that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus came and died for our sins so that our sin might be forgiven. The hard part for us is we've got to humble ourselves. We have to admit to God that we are failure. But Jesus can cleanse us, forgive us of all our sin. And if you're willing to do that today, you can have the hope that the rest of us have in this place. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for these words. We need these words. God, you know uh, what many are struggling with today. And Father, thank you for loving us for knowing and hearing our prayer 
Father, I pray that even in the midst of our sorrow, even in the struggle, God, that you would provide that abiding joy that the world can't take away. Thank you for understanding our struggles. Jesus, thank you for coming yourself, for leaving heaven's throne and clothing yourself as a man and experiencing all the pain and the heartache and the grief that we ourselves go through. Jesus, you went through it without sin. And you understand. Help. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us endure, to persevere, to be people of faith in spite of our circumstances. Lord, thank you for this time this morning, time of worship, for your word, your living word that encourages arts. I pray that if there's one here today who's without Jesus, God, that they would not leave without giving lives to you today. love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name I pray.